Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. And our Bible reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, reading from verse 18. Ben's going to walk us through the story of Jesus, uh, going into maybe a little bit more detail than what we saw in the video, but it is a good story. And we're going to pick it up from chapter 1, verse 18. Let me read it for you. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus." because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks, Ross. Uh, welcome, everyone. My name's Ben. If we haven't met before, we're going to go on a quick journey this morning, especially for those of you who put your hand up as people who haven't opened up presence yet. We won't be too long, so you can breathe easy. We'll get through this passage. We'll think about the story of Jesus. I'm going to pray quickly again that God would help us focus for a little bit, and then uh, we'll get into it. So let's quickly pray again. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ability to meet and open up your Bible to think about the story of Christmas. We pray, Lord, that this would impact us right now. That, Father, today, whatever we've got on, or this season, whatever it looks like, that the story of Jesus would be something that helps us and transforms us and changes us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it has been a long run-up to Christmas. The decorations at Garden City began on the 1st of November. We've, many of us have had our Christmas trees up from then as well. There's been decorations out, many of us have today off, which is nice. And everyone keeps telling us, get into the Christmas spirit. Experience the joy and peace of this moment. And I love that we are told to do that. I love that as a nation, we do that regardless of the chaos around us, that we stop at Christmas time to get into the Christmas spirit. You know, I wonder if you've thought about this, of where this has come from. I think it's sort of historical and uh, deeply rooted in our culture as a nation. And you hear about moments in the past when they did this. You know, you might have heard the story of uh, in World War I. So 1914, two armies are trying to kill each other. And then on the 25th of December, they had a ceasefire. And they stopped to celebrate Christmas, to drink eggnog or whatever else they were drinking and get into the Christmas spirit. And then Boxing Day, they started trying to kill each other again. And so you kind of look at that moment in 1914 and think, well, if they could do it, we should do it, right? If they could stop and celebrate Christmas, then we have to stop. So whatever's going on, whether it's a war 
or a pandemic or family drama or whatever other chaos that's in our lives, we're called to stop at Christmas time to find joy and peace and get into the Christmas spirit. Now, there is a question that we've got to ask at this point. There's kind of an elephant in the room, and it's the question, is it even possible in the middle of chaos to experience any real sense of joy or peace? Right? Like, is it possible in chaos to experience peace or in difficulty to experience joy? Well, this is what we're going to look at this morning in this story of Jesus as we go on this journey to see his birth. But it's worth noting first and foremost that as we think about the birth of Jesus, it came about in chaotic circumstances. Okay, now it's important that we note this because our culture tries to tell us that it was really calm. You know, if you've been to Garden City in the last couple of weeks, you would have probably had a couple of low-risk COVID tests, as we have in our family. But outside of that, you might have seen the nativity scenes. And they are classic at Garden City. Mary and Joseph look like an ancient king and queen. And Jesus is so peaceful in his food trough. And also, a little bit weird, he's got more hair than most of us could even imagine. I mean, he's got some hair, that boy, in that nativity scene. And then you hear Silent Night over the... The, whatever, radio is it? The, you hear silent night, all is calm, all is bright. Or away in a manger, no crying he makes. And we like to pretend that it was calm, but in reality it was chaos. And it began the week before the birth of Jesus as Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now this journey was an hour and 55 minutes on Google Maps which even if you're heavily pregnant, you're tossing up whether you take that drive. But for them, that was about a 31-hour walk. Right now, in terms of birth plans go, okay, if you think about that, what, what do you want in the lead-up to your birth? You know, we hear of candles and scents and massages and whatever else you want. At no point is anyone saying, the week before a birth, let's have a 31-hour hike, a three- to five-hour hike. Let's do that. Right? Is that calm or is it chaos before the birth? That's chaos. Right? That is absolute chaos. And then they get to Bethlehem and the chaos continues because they walk up to the hotel room looking for a place to stay. And, and what are you wanting? You're wanting an air-conditioned room. You're wanting some people to just come and room service. You're wanting that. You're wanting a Netflix Christmas rom-com on the couch so you can fall asleep. But when they get to the hotel room, what do they find? someone forgot to book. You wouldn't want to be Joseph at that point. I think the eyes that he's copying from Mary, I don't know if you can rebound from that. And not only that, but there's no room in the hotel. They've got to go to the stable. Not exactly the calmest place for a birth. It's chaos. And then they get to the birth. And, and yeah, we hear mom and Baba healthy. It's a, it's a good birth. Mary's going well. Jesus is going well. And you kind of picture, so you've got the stable there. You can picture it, you can smell the stable, you can kind of imagine finally calming Jesus down, getting him in the swaddle, laying him down in that food trough, and then the visitors start to come. And that's chaos. Okay, now I would argue at the best of time, visitors in a birth is chaotic. Uh, we experienced this 12 months ago, and pretty much if you're in a hospital room and you've just had a baby, it's, it's kind of non-stop. Pretty much every 20 minutes, it feels like someone's knocking on the door. You've got nurses checking on mum and bub. You've got doctors, pediatricians. You've got food 
right? That's coming and going six times a day, breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, supper. They come, they drop the food off, they come back to pick up the plates. All of it is quite chaotic. And that's not even talking about grandparents or family or friends coming to visit the baby. I would argue at the best of time, visitors are chaotic. So let's feel this for Mary and Joseph. You finally calm Jesus down. You put him in the swaddle, down in that food trough, and then you get a knock on the door. And you're going to be a fly on the wall in the stable, imagining Mary at this point hearing the knock on the door, looking again at Joseph, right? I, I can imagine, I told you, Joseph, tell your parents to come back tomorrow because today is not appropriate for them to come and visit. And Joseph replies to Mary and says, I didn't actually tell my parents because <laughs> the whole thing's a little bit strange. But, okay, we don't know that he said that, but you can imagine that picture. So he opens the door and who is it? It's not the nurse, it's not the doctor, it's not the pediatrician, it's the shepherds. They smell like shepherds. They look like shepherds and there's sheep in the background and you kind of have this feeling Oh no, we've taken their stable, <laughs> right? So no longer in the hotel, no longer in the stable. We're going to have to move somewhere else. But the shepherds calm you down and they say, no, we saw an angel. And that angel told us this baby is going to be something special. And so they come in, they have a cup of tea. It's quite nice. And then they leave. But as you consider the visitors, it's chaotic. Okay, but they leave. That's good. Calm Jesus down, put him back. And then there's another knock at the door. Who is it this time? It's the wise men. Right, they come from a long way away. They've traveled from a long distance. So their language, I mean, we can hardly understand each other. It's chaotic, but they do this thing. They fall before Jesus symbolically and prophetically, worshiping him like he's a king. They give gifts to Jesus. It's nice, but chaotic. And then they leave. And so it's all this big moment of chaos where they finally, again, you can picture it. They calm Jesus down. They put him down in that swaddle. They get him. Mary's falling asleep. And then one final knock on the door. And this time, it's the little drummer boy. No, okay, we don't know that the little drummer boy was there. But can, the premise of the story, it's not appropriate to play drums to a baby, right, who's trying to sleep. So anyway, regardless of the drummer boy, you, you've got the picture there. The moment of Jesus' birth is not this calm picture where Jesus didn't cry. It's chaos. Which is nice because this question then of how do we find joy or peace in the middle of chaos, it's a question that's always existed because the birth of Jesus was chaotic. So how do we find joy? How do we find peace in this? Well, the first answer is the obvious one. It's because Jesus is here. And what Jesus represents, and we had this uh, in our Bible reading before, it, it mentioned there, and it's in his name. So the first name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And the second name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's beautiful because what we see is this baby in this stable is God coming into the world to deal with chaos. And it's not the chaos of an interrupted birth plan. It's not the chaos of a travel, you know, a 31-hour hike. It's not the chaos of some untimely visitors. It's the chaos caused by sin. See, sin in the Bible, it's this idea. It's what, what's called when we reject God. So rejecting the loving ruler who created all things, sin is this attitude within us that says, I don't want God, and I don't want to do what God says, and I don't want to listen to God or acknowledge God. That's sin, and that attitude and those actions are present with all of us. But there's a problem that comes out of that. 
You see, the problem is the Bible declares the punishment for sin, or God declares the punishment for sin on humanity as death and on the world as decay. So we live in a world where death and decay are present. But what we see in this baby is Jesus has entered into the world to deal with that, to deal with the fact that death exists and decay happens all around us. And he's not just going to do that by being born. He does that as he lives this perfect life, goes to a cross and then dies and rises again. The hope that we have at Christmas time is in this baby, Jesus, who will grow up and deal with death and decay. Do you see what Jesus represents? He's showing us chaos won't reign forever. He's showing us that the madness, the difficulty that we face day in, day out won't be here forever. So the joy and peace we can have at Christmas time is the obvious one. It's, it's Jesus. It's who he is. It's what he represents. He'll, it's what he'll do. But there's a second reason for joy that we have at Christmas. A second reason that gives us real joy and peace in the middle of chaos. But it's often the forgotten reason. And it's got to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so growing up, for us in our house, we had uh, this moment each Christmas where my dad would have this classic joke every year. So what would happen is we'd have our presents. We were a family that would open up our presents after church. So again, if that's you, we're wrapping it up. Okay, we're getting there. <laughs> but, but we would open our presents up after church one by one around the circle. And it was, you know, to slow down and to appreciate the gifts and all that sort of stuff. And um, what would happen is you get to the end and my dad would always put this present right at the back of the tree. And so as a kid, we'd always forget about it because the present, you'd see the present there and then you'd kind of hope, maybe there's one more gift for me. You'd think, okay, that's the th maybe it's for me because I haven't gotten, maybe, haven't gotten what I want yet, so maybe there's a present there. But, but every year without fail, you'd get to that final present and you'd pull it out and it would always say, to dad, from dad. And he'd open it up and we'd pretend to be mad, but it would kind of bring joy for all of us. Now, what I love about that is that's a tradition now that's been passed on. And so for me and my brothers who have kids, this is a tradition we do. And it is awesome. I mean, this morning I got a pretty amazing gift from me. But you see, growing up, this was, this was always kind of this forgotten gift at Christmas time that would bring a little bit of joy to the rest of us. Now, there's something interesting that we see in this passage here. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, let's just set it up. So the Holy Spirit is God. We see that. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit works like this. He works kind of in the background in great power. So it's like the wind. He works like the wind. You know, you see the wind in the trees. You see its power, but you don't see wind. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And His main role is to point people to Jesus. Okay, so each year as Christmas rolls around and everyone talks about Jesus, the Holy Spirit isn't sitting in the corner going, man, I wish they'd talk about me. No, he loves that the whole world celebrates Jesus. But I want to, want to point this out this morning because it's something we don't always remember. Sometimes we forget this, but the work of the Holy Spirit at Christmas time does bring real joy and peace. You see, in the Bible, there's three moments, three big moments where we see the work of the Spirit. So the first is in that passage we had read out for us before. And you can see it up on the screen there in Matthew. We get told twice there that what is going on with Mary in verse 18, she's told, you're found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And then again, Joseph's told, don't be afraid because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so what you can see there is in the birth of Jesus... Out of the chaos, because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, joy and peace are created. 
But you see, this pattern continues. In fact, there's two other big moments of this. And the next big moment is in Genesis 1. So just quickly, let's go on this journey to the beginning of the Bible. At the beginning of the Bible, you might know how it starts. It starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But notice verse 2. And notice how it's similar to the birth of Jesus in some ways, because it says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that word there for formless and empty is an important word. And here's my Christmas present to you. It's the Hebrew word tohu vohu. So if trivia comes up today and you need to know that, maybe you should ask who's running your trivia. But here's what it means. Tohu vohu could be translated formless and empty, but it could also be translated chaos. It could be translated chaos. So what you see there is now the earth was chaos. But who's there? The Holy Spirit hovering above the chaos. And what do we know that comes out of this chaos? Well, because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we get the picture, we get the beautiful garden where God works with people. And so you can see at the very beginning, a similar pattern to with Jesus' birth, out of the chaos, the Holy Spirit creates joy and peace. He's present in the chaos. But there's one more big moment. It's not just Genesis 1, it's not just Matthew 1, it's also Acts chapter 1. See, when Jesus dies and rises again, he's about to leave and go to heaven. And one day he's going to come back and fix death and decay. But when he leaves, he says this to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. But between this moment and chapter 2 of Acts, if you're familiar with the story, it's a little bit chaotic, right? They stare at the sky for a little while. There's a little bit of confusion. Who's going to replace Judas in the 12? They're in a group not knowing what comes next and what do they do next? But then in chapter 2, what do we see? Out of the chaos, the Holy Spirit comes. And they saw, it says there in verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Or another way of describing that is, the Holy Spirit was hovering above them. Right? Do you see? Three big moments in the Bible where the Holy Spirit in the middle of chaos is creating joy and peace where it didn't exist before. In the beginning, a creation in Jesus' birth, and then with the church. Now, the big question is, so what? So, that's kind of cool, but what does this mean for us? What does this change for us? And ultimately, how does this bring us any sense of joy or peace at Christmas time? Well, here it is. Our ability to experience joy and peace in this season, in the middle of chaos, it doesn't come from pretending the chaos doesn't exist. Right, you see, I know for many of us this morning, we got Christmas and we've got some holidays coming up where it will be nice for us to forget about some chaos, whether it's the chaos of work or family or, you know, things going on around us. Maybe we can switch off the news for a little bit and that will be nice for us. But I'm also aware that for many of us, Christmas is just this moment in the year that accentuates the chaos. It's a moment in the year where we feel the family drama. We feel the sting of loss, where we feel the problems of death and decay in this world. Christmas accentuates the chaos for many of us. You know, this year for my, for my grandparents, my pop, um, this is going to be his first Christmas without my grandma. That's hard for him. My mum's in Perth right now. She was trying to get back on Wednesday, but because of the COVID drama, her flight was delayed, hopefully, till today. That's chaotic. Christmas, for many of us, just accentuates the chaos. 
So, so what does this mean for us? What is this joy and peace we find at Christmas? Well, here it is. It's not in forgetting. It's not in pretending that chaos doesn't exist. It's acknowledging it and facing it. But knowing that firstly in Jesus, because of who he is and what he did at the cross, chaos won't reign forever. You know, maybe this is a season that's really hard. Jesus promises us one day it will end. One day he'll wipe every tear from every eye and death and decay will cease to exist. There is peace in that. There is joy in looking forward to what Jesus will do. But there's a second reason for joy and peace, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because while we wait in the middle of the chaos, do you know who's here with us? The Holy Spirit. His presence and power is with us right in this present moment. Like He was in the beginning, like He was at Jesus' birth, like He was at the start of the church. He's here with us in the chaos, helping us, comforting us, strengthening us, and reminding us of the beauty of this baby, Jesus, at this present moment. So I hope that this season you can experience real joy and peace, not by forgetting, but by remembering Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that in the middle of whatever season we're in, you don't leave us alone. Thank you for Jesus who reminds us that death and decay will not reign forever. Thank you that he defeated sin and defeated death at the cross. And thank you that while we wait, You have given us yourself in the Holy Spirit and we praise you for that. And we pray that today we would find a real joy and peace in this present season because of all that you are and all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.